ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. KW calling. I'm on international frequency. Come in. You know, what is this? What does this represent? Uh, because this isn't just about soda. Hello, beans. This is Dave. And Helen. What's up guys? I think you know this one. Coming up, Brian DeVoe from Nine Days. All right, welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio. I'm Dave. I have an old friend with me today from a band called Nine Days, co-founder, guitarist, singer, Brian DeVoe. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing good. I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, I, this is, we're calling this take two. We had a dress rehearsal during a storm, we'll just say, um, one that nobody will ever hear. It's unfortunate, but good catching up with you, Brian. <laughs> Oh, we heard it, so it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. It was <laughs> nice to reestablish the uh, connection here. Brian's an old friend of mine. Uh, we go back. I'm going to date us right now, and he'll get a giggle out of this or hate me, one or the other. Um, Return of the Jedi, Fox Theater. We waited for to see it the first time, um, four hours in line. Was it really four hours? It was four uh, hours, dude. Enough. Well, it might have been. It seemed like it. Maybe just because of movie. Well, how long's the movie? Probably two and a half to three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess back then people actually had to wait in line for tickets. It's not like it is now where you just go on and, and get your tickets and all that. So. Yeah, exactly. Or not even show up these days, but I still go. But uh, we'll, yeah. well, on top of that, let's see. Def Leppard was on the top of the charts with Pyromania. You introduced me to High and Dry uh, prior to that. Blizzard of Oz was on our boombox walking home from school on that last day before summer. Um, I am totally dating us. I believe there is a uh, picture of you and I at a park in Long Island with some people, and I'm wearing an Aussie shirt. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Diary of a Madman, probably? Uh, I don't remember. It, 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 it was like uh, one of those jersey t-shirts that it had. Ozzy <laughs> on it. it might have been just a live shot or something. But, uh, yeah, Ozzy and Randy Rose, that was my, one of my things back then. Yes. Uh, and then I got into, of course, High and Dry, like you said, which was... Uh, Pretty much a carbon copy of, I guess, Back in Black, but just not as popular. 
You got it. And that's actually, they loved ACDC. But that being said, MTV was the hottest thing. And uh, this is how I kind of knew that, you know, nine days, you yourself, I should just say, you were made for greatness. There was something different about you. You were sitting in class. MTV, I'm going to say, what, like 82, 83 is breaking. And you turn to me, and you, this is in the middle of class, and you, and you just go, I just know I'm missing something really good on MTV right now. Why, why are we in school? Yeah, I probably can say that. I don't really recall saying it, but I was uh, <laughs> definitely definitely into the MTV thing back when they played music. Um, yes. I don't think I'm missing anything on MTV right now. You're or not. MTV too. <laughs> or anything else, um, you know, with <laughs> MTV. So. Absolutely. But now, nine days, uh, you guys had your hit, Story of a Girl? Yeah, absolutely, Story of a Girl was a hit, yeah, 2000, and uh, we lived the dream for a good three or four years, and, you know, same old story, we uh, put out a second record, and it got shelved, and uh, kind of went into our opposite directions for a while. Um, did some stuff on my own, and did my co-writer, uh, co-founder of the band, John Hampson, and, uh, yeah, we're just kind of... Uh, Last November, we were talking, wondering why we're never picked to go on those nostalgic tours every summer. Or, you know, our, we lost a lot of college gigs that we used to do, and kind of found out that, like, you know, we just don't do anything. There's no activity. Everything is social media these days. So yeah. we decided to start putting that all together. You know, we got the original guys back with us, and they were all into it too, and ready to play again. And uh, we uh, started writing songs because I'm in Nashville, so we started writing songs back and forth to the internet, and we just took through the waters, and then uh, did a couple of rehearsals up in New York, and uh, it just became this new thing. And um, the new record is uh, it's definitely a Nine Days record, true, and it is uh, probably a combination of a lot of our influences of the past. I mean, we've done about seven records, I believe. And um, it combines, you know, us as a melodic band. You know, there's some pop in there and rock, of course, but lots of folk, Americana, even country. Um, uh, so it's a, it's a mishmash of a lot of things that the band is. And uh, we've got the 10 songs right now, and we're going to finish them. We're actually doing the record in Nashville, which I've been a resident for six years now. And uh, we're going to um, finish it up in August and hopefully have it out by the fall. Well, we'll definitely have it out by the fall. And uh, we're excited. It's like, uh, it's like a new band, actually. It's that's like cool. Yeah, refreshing it again. That's that's awesome because it makes it all new again and fun again. I, that's good to hear that. I, it, none of this really surprises me. Your mishmash that of you know different genres you throw into an album. Um, just running home with you because you were the first one to have MTV after school. We get to your house, the TV would go on before you even said hi to your mom, and like we would watch anything. Wait for Def Leppard, but if Duran Duran was on. We watched it, you know, uh, if, you know, ZZ Top, whatever. You turned me on to all, you made it cool to listen to Duran Duran, and then, you know, I married a, a woman who is, uh, it's her be- favorite band of all time. That's another story. But, yeah, you, you kind of turned well, me on to a lot of things. Uh, you know, it, it was the chicks in the video, so whatever we're talking about. Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> But yeah, man. Uh, but no, I, I appreciated those times and all the music and around. I, I don't know. We, we split up, split ways, went different schools. You uh, ended up forming, well, going into Crystal Image, which another Long Island band that did pretty well for the time. Yeah, you know that was um, uh, the singer of that band was a brother of two guys that was these uh, twin brothers that I graduated high school with, and uh, you know when I left my band, it's interesting because the first band I ever played in was with this guy Kenny Joria. 
lived around the block from me. And, um, you know, he kind of showed me how to play Crazy Train, you know, on the guitar, you know, and stuff like that. And he was my first drummer, first co-writer. And when we split up ways, long story short, we split ways, he went on to become, you know, a pretty, very well producer. Um, and he's worked for many labels and stuff. for just a lot of, a lot of pop acts. Um, and I think, uh, there's some boy bands uh, out there, so. But uh, <laughs> he did really well. And actually, in the mid-90s, when we did the first Nine Days record, he engineered it. And that was uh, kind of a full circle. Like, in 1994, we started recording the first record. And um, it was Kenny Joy up behind the, uh, behind the console there. He was working at Sabella Studios, which is in Roslyn, New York. You know, uh, right. Off the Queens. There's a little island there, so. Yeah. But um, that's where the first record was born, and uh, you know, again, another long story short, where the name comes from. That record was done, at, well, that session, I should say, because we added some more songs to it uh, on that record called "Something to Listen To," which was cut. The first eight songs were done in nine days, and uh, it also comes from the song on that record, Nine Days of Rain," which was written down as short on a on a track sheet, and just nine days. And I kind of looked at it. So we didn't even for the band. There was uh, a couple names floating around, but nothing really stuck. And I said, well, how many, this is the last day we were mixing the last song, and it was uh, the ninth day. And I said, well, there's the name of the band right there, nine days. <laughs> Very so, cool. uh, so back to, going back to Crystal Image, yeah, I, I started playing in that band, and that band later on became Kid Gloves, which, yeah. you know, we wrote our music and stuff, and we started playing the clubs, and that's when I met John in another band. And those two bands became really good friends. And at the time, uh, a good friend of mine and a good friend of John's, Keith Zabrowski, who went to high school with John, was playing in my band, which was Kid Gloves, and then he was leaving my band to join John's band. You get all this? Yeah, <laughs> sure am. <laughs> and he, uh, and he kind of dragged me along with him, and I needed a guitar player, so I was ready for a change, and I went with that, and uh, that's when I met John. And we played in that band for a good, uh, couple years, um, it was no. called Indian Summer, and... You're now referring to... Up. I'm sorry, Brian, you're now referring to John Hampson? Yeah, I was performing okay. with John. We were just two guitar players in a band. Okay. Uh, with Keith Zabrowski, who... Another guy who... You know, the three of us actually started Nine Days about 93. We took a year off and just kind of started writing songs. And we eventually found our bass player, Nick DiMacchino, or kind of... We kept stuffing demo tapes in his mailbox. <laughs> and tell them to come play with us. We finally did. So the four of us made that first batch of songs, and uh, and very soon uh, Keith Zabowski quit the band, and that's when Vinny joined, and actually Jeremy, who was our drummer and uh, I guess multi instrumentalist guy, Jeremy. And uh, and that's that. Keith went on to do his own thing for a while. Keith is now the music director and drummer for Miranda Lambert which is pretty cool. He's doing yeah. really awesome and he lives here in Nashville so it's good to see him a lot and stuff. And he actually took me on the road with Miranda for a little while uh, back in 2008. But, uh, anyway, going back to the Nine Days thing, we, that lineup became a lineup. We did three independent records and countless demos, countless showcases and all of that. And, um, I guess about 1998 we had a deal on the table that was small. Right. And our management said, you could take this deal and build up a grassroots following, get out on the road, or you could forget this deal, take the summer off, and keep writing. And that's what we did, and that's when John wrote Story of Girl and If I Am. Uh, and that's what got us all the interest. 
all the songs that I wrote on that record were written from that point on, which is, doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> so in about five months, I wrote all, my whole side of the record, and uh, then, uh, yeah, we went into Atlanta, um, which is ironic because I was in the South now, and yeah, she recorded our two records in the South, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we recorded in 99, and uh, a year later it came out in 2000, and midsummer it went number one. Uh, the song that is. Yep. And that's the sister. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I that song was huge here on Pittsburgh radio. Uh, before I put two and two together, that my old buddy was in the band. I would hear it all the time, and it, it, you could not not hear it on our local like alternative radio and our rock stations. And when I found out we we hooked up on Facebook or something, I, I was just like, "Holy shit! That's that's Brian on there." I just I I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I couldn't believe it. But I always kind of knew you had to do something with music. You were going to. There was just. There was nothing. I, I mean, I never knew somebody that got more trouble in music class than you. I mean, do you yeah. remember Miss Harvey? <laughs> I do actually. Now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah, she was cool. What was it? Tita and all that. Yeah, it was just this alternate way to learn notes. But yeah, she separated us more than a few times to the point actually where I, I actually. I designated myself my own seat in the back to stay away from you because I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Those yeah, you were in the front and you'd wave me down. You're like, come on, come on, come sit, come, come on, sit next to me again. I'm like, dude, no, we're, I'm, I can't control myself anymore. <laughs> it was awesome, but yeah, that, that was a fun class. Is that where the influence came from? To, that yeah, you had to pick up an instrument and go? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I was playing kind of, I don't think I really got serious into playing until about, I guess, midway through high school. That's when I was starting to really start to play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in New Lane, I was kind of, you know, I think, actually the first song I learned how to play, except for here and there, um, you know, like a friend is teaching how to play an honest song or whatever, was uh, Coming Under Fire by Death Leopard, which nice. is called Paramedia. Very um, nice. And I remember the guy telling me that first note is just this first string, boom, and I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> that's all I need to know for I totally believe that. Absolutely, yeah. And I would just hear from you from friends. We were in different schools. And I just hear about you. And I knew about kid gloves. You could not avoid your flyers. They were everywhere, at least in Center Reach and Selden area. I always saw them up. I mean, you know, the two gloves hanging there. And yeah, I mean, you guys were pretty popular back then. So I, yeah, I, I wish I had kept up with you then, but then I left anyway. But. Um, so, and you told me, you found out that you went number one from your manager, uh, in 2000, I guess it was, when that song hit? Um, you were, we were at a show yeah. at Irving Plaza, and I remember the place, Irving Plaza. Actually, I think the, I think the song was already number one. I think it was just kind of a thing where it was just, it just happened, and, um, it wasn't like a, hey, we're number one, but to be honest, I don't remember the actual moment. <laughs> But I do remember when we got the Third Eye Blind tour, which was when we were doing a show at Irving Plaza, and that's when our tour got to We got the Third Eye Blind tour, we got the Third Eye Blind tour. So we got fired. Before <laughs> <laughs> we went on. Man. But, uh, and it, you know, we were on to, uh, tour with Third Eye Blind that year, which is the summer of 2000, and we, uh, we played Pittsburgh with them, and it was, it was weird. It was like this big parking lot with a big stage. I don't, do you know where this place is? It might be on the river or something. That's where you're going to be, actually. That, that was when they used to have it um, in Station Square. There was a yeah by the trains and everything else. Now the Hard Rock is there, so you're going to be inside. But yeah, they tried that venue a few times. It's now gone, but there's a better place uh, than that now. Pittsburgh's actually a pretty cool town. Uh, stage A E is where you eventually really want to play if you can get in there. It's awesome. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, anyway, um, you know, there's a couple of things. Like, people always say, how does it feel to, to, you know, how did it feel to hear your song on the radio for the first time? And it's interesting because uh, when I, going back to Kenny Joya, we uh, did a little demo at this little studio in uh, Selden. And I think I was in ninth grade. It might have been eighth grade, actually. But uh, we, we submitted to the uh, Fingers Metal Shop, which was on WBAB. Sure. And he would, he would, you know, play songs on the radio, like like one in the morning or something, you know? And yep. That was the first time I heard myself on the radio. And I remember my friend was the bass player. He lived two houses down from me, and I could Eddie. And he came running over and his door locked my window. I said, did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, I'm going back to that. <laughs> It was really cool. I never taped it. I have no idea if I have to tape anywhere, but uh, oh, man. it was funny. Like, you know, fingers, you got this voice. They came to our show in Nashville, actually, and he's come to see me play in Atlanta solo and stuff. But he was, um, we were in like one of these minivans, you know, driving around, going to the gig, and uh, he came on the radio in the van. And that was pretty cool, because that was the first time we actually heard it. That's amazing. On the radio, you know. And, um, I don't know if it was number one yet, actually. I think that was, obviously it wasn't. The record came out in May of 2000, and I believe it went number one about, probably June or July, somewhere around there. Um, and that was that about radio and stuff. So. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to hear a little bit of Brian DeVoe in nine days in just a couple seconds here. Uh, stay with me, Brian, and uh, we'll get right back. Thanks, folks, and uh, stay with us.
Okay, folks, that was Nine Days with So Far Away. We, you, you have to know that song if you know Nine Days. Anyway, but Brian's still here with me. Don't worry, he didn't leave me <laughs> yet. Yes, I'm here. The funny thing about that song is it's a song that um, we used to play right after Absolutely in pretty much all the shows. And um, the first line is, if you leave, where would you go? Right? Yep. And because um, usually when we were done playing Absolutely, half the crowd would leave. <laughs> they go to another stage or wherever. So Are you serious? Really? Yeah. <laughs> that pisses me off. Well, you know, we're talking the height of Napster days, so, you know, every college kid had that song downloaded legally and didn't buy the whole record, so. Um, <laughs> they knew that song, they were waiting for it, they heard it, then they were even, so we would play that song last, if you leave, where will you go? <laughs> so far away. <laughs> Yeah, we, me and off air, me and Brian were uh, catching up on some collectibles and comic books and things like that. And I, you already know we were both into Star Wars. Um, you had the entire the the original four Kiss dolls. Do you still have those? You know, I still have them, and I actually have my ace really here with me in there still. Oh man! But here's the funny thing: we never had Paul Stanley. Uh, oh, I thought you did. Got me and my brother Todd, right? For a Christmas gift. Two Peter Chris's. I'm like, what the hell are we going to do with two Peter Chris's? <laughs> so I have two Peter Chris's, Gene Simmons, and Ace Frehley. <laughs> I never put that together. I thought you had all four of them. That's funny. That's yeah, funny. Never had ball. Uh, okay, well, I'm that's sure a good search. Yeah, eBay probably right now, but it's going to cost you a little yeah. bit. All right, so uh, Flying the Corporate Jet, that can be purchased on your site, right? That was the one, the, produ- the never-released album? No, that was released. Flying the Corporate Jet is something we did after we got dropped. Okay. The second Sony record got uh, shelved. That's how we just, that's how we did on our own, basically for the fans, and uh, then he didn't even play on the record. He might have played on a song or two, but we had a good friend, John Michelle, he played drums. He plays with Meatloaf. Um, and Jeremy played on a couple tracks, but it was really just John and I and Nick. And it was, it was a weird record, you know, we were, we just threw a whole bunch of songs that we each had together, and uh, I don't think we, we were in the studio actually together many times, but, <laughs> uh-huh. but we got it done, and we wanted to put something out and just not go out like, you know, all the band is done, you know, we showed our record and whatever, but, so happily unsatisfied is the record that was never released. And right, I'm sorry, yeah. I, mean, I, I want, That was my next question for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that. Yeah, that. Um, and also, I noticed you have an EP, Slow Motion Life. That's a John Hansen. Uh, that was his first solo that okay. he did. I did one called "The Last Day," which was my um, my attempt to become a uh, you know New York City alternative, so somewhat songwriter, cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a great record. I love it. But it just wasn't me, you know. So I kind of went back to after that. I kind of this is like mid. I guess in you uh, like just for my own personal say when did you decide to pack up and head to Nashville that was an interesting move and I see a lot of musicians do that the worthy ones what, what was that about 
Well, I would like to think I did it before uh, Nashville became the, in quotes, dip streets. Which is kind of annoying. Like, when I came here, I came here in late 2007. And for me, prior to that, I was living in Manhattan, which I love dearly. I'm still a New Yorker at heart, you know. And, mm-hmm. And I always loved country music. And, uh, you know, my dad got me into that at a very young age. So I always had that in the back of, you know, me. And, and um... You know, I was in a relationship that kind of went bad and sour, so I, I left New York and she stayed in my apartment <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a good few years, actually, but whatever, that's a whole nother story. And, uh, you know, I was at home alone, I was just figuring out what I wanted to do, and my friend Paul Lombach, who actually produced our second independent record, Monday Songs, and he also produced Slow Motion Life, which is the last thing we did before this record we're doing now. Uh, a really good friend. I've known him since 1989. Like he did my, one of my first demos with that band, Kid Gloves, actually. And uh, he said, I'm coming down, I'm going down to Nashville. He was actually going through some personal problems too. In fact, I'm leaving, I'm going to buy a house and check out the scene. And at the time, you know, it wasn't as, as, as I guess, insidious as it is now. And I was like, yeah, I'll definitely go, you know. And packed up my Bronco and drove down, you know, and, uh, I've been lost since. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting town. I've been here for almost six years. It's, it's, um, it's, it's very, very different from what I did coming up with during days in the whole New York scene. Very quickly, uh, you got to, you know, I live in this town, though, and I'm, I'm doing really well now, and I'm shopping a publishing deal for myself. I'm running with a lot of really good writers here and published writers. And, uh, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to start doing it. And, uh, <laughs> you got to watch those writer types, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, yeah, yeah. I, you but, know what? You... you know, I, I live it down here, and I've totally delved into the scene, and uh, made some really great friends, really great relationships down here. And, uh, you know, I am going uh, to see what happens. Yeah, well, you got that stuff. You've always had it. It sounds like you're optimistic. sounds like there's going to be a great show at the Hard Rock in Pittsburgh. And the Hard Rock in Pittsburgh, that show is Thursday the 25th, July coming up next week, folks. I wouldn't miss it. Uh, just to hear Brian's guitar alone, uh, and you now. Do you sing back vocals on a lot of the songs? I, I honestly, that I know you do vocals, but I don't know how much of the songs you actually do the back vocals on. Well, typically the songs I write, I sing lead on. Um, Which, but usually, if if uh, <laughs> if, um, if it's one of John's songs, I'm usually singing with it. Um, right, that's what I gather. Okay. And you could, you could, you could hear my voice, you know, and we've kind of done that the whole time. I mean, at least, like I said, since 1994, that was the idea of the band. Um, just two songwriters, you know what I'm saying, and uh, we contribute to each other's music. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the stuff that he brought to this new record was very different, too, also, that from the stuff he's done in the past. And my guitar playing is very, uh, I hate to say it, but very natural now, and, uh, 
I have uh, my stuff that I put on to his song. His songs have kind of melded this record together as a whole. So it's definitely uh, each song has its own personality, but there's definitely a, um, a theme going through the whole record. You know. Okay. That's cool. Well, some of the best records, every song is different from the next. And I mean, I, I just think about your influences, and I, I know you'll carry that through. I, I, I look forward to it. I really do. Uh, when are we looking at a, an actual release for this new one? Um, well, we did a pledge drive, which I should bring up right now. I was going to ask you to bring that up, yes. Yeah, it's up to almost 130% right now, but you can still pledge. We did just uh, post our first video clip, which is uh, just a couple of interviews and some clips from rehearsals of some of the newer songs that we're going to record in August for the record. Um, so you can go to that pledge thing. Uh, it's on our Facebook page, which is Nine Days Band, or Facebook.com slash Nine Days Band. Um, you can probably find it on our website, too, which is Nine Days Music.com. Um, and of course, Twitter, Nine Days Band on Twitter. And uh, you can still pledge, and basically the videos that go up are only seen by the pledgers. So that's just the first thing you get. Basically, you know, the first it starts at 10 bucks, I think, to pre-order the record. So as soon as the record is, is done, you'll get it. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff, like signed posters. Uh, there's something where John and I can come to your house playing an acoustic show, or either, either one of us, you know, whatever it is. Maybe someone likes me better or someone likes John better. Well, guess what? I, I, I'm I'm gonna win that because I have a studio in our basement. We have live bands playing our basement all the time. So yeah, I'm gonna win that. And I'm gonna have both of you dueling in my basement. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna happen, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, the punch drive is still going, and um, like I said, there's a certain amount of days. So the record, you know, it should be by October. We're going to do a big show on Long Island at the Bolton Center. I forget the date, but um, that's going to be a really special show, and we're going to have some special guests coming up. And um, we might even do a listening party at, at, at like a studio for oh, our, our real fans that have been around forever, you know. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, you guys give back still to your fans, and you do have a pretty strong fan base. That's why I didn't like what you said about the, the people leaving after hearing Story of a Girl. I mean, wow, those weren't your fans. Those weren't your fans, because I know you got solid fans. Yeah, you know, for the ones that stuck around, I wish there was more than there are, but they are there, and uh, yeah. we love them, and they're making... They're making this record for, for them and for us, actually. They're helping us do this. And uh, it's, it's going to, you know, every plan is going to make this record that much better. And we're really going to be able to do more things like little listening parties and, and stuff like that and, and special shows. So it's um, it, it's going to be cool. Yeah. yeah. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. I know your site, too. Um, you had free demos on your site for download. I don't know if that would entice some people to go there. It always gets me to go just to hear something different, especially a demo. Well, here's the thing about that. I mean, it's funny because someone might go there and hear those songs and be like, oh, these guys suck. But, you know, for me, I was always, growing up, I would go to all the record stores that had bootlegs. Yes. And I would look, you know, mainly for Springsteen and bootlegs. Like, the Springsteen fan base is very um, into the whole, just knowing everything, having that, oh, my God, you have that version, not before the Internet. Right. You tapes at Bruce Springsteen shows, you know, and stuff like that. And, um, so I love that kind of stuff. And yeah. my drummer at the time, I'd put, put on a bootleg, and she'd be like, man, you got ripped off. And I'm like, it's a bootleg. Right. It is. It's a moment. You know, Brian, 
Brian, honestly, that's a, yeah. that's from our time. That's like me and you. We, you know, we go places, record things because you're recording that moment in time. It's not about the sound quality. It's what happened there. And like, I have all these bootlegs of White Zombie and all this really shitty recordings at, at shows. But you know what? It's a moment in time, and I was there, and I have proof of it, and I can go back to that moment. And that's what that's all about. And you look at the Grateful Deadheads and uh, the Fish People yeah. and the Pearl Jams even. That's what they're doing. They just want to hear um, a variation on that song. We do it with Jane's Addiction, I'll be honest with you. My, my wife's a huge fan. Uh, my partner in crime, Heather Taddy, who is not here today, huge fan. We'll buy any crappy recording just to hear that what happened on that day. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, like I said, on the site there's tons of stuff up there. For there's some free stuff, and you can buy some of it for like if it's a full song, usually like seventy five cents or something. But there, you know, there's a lot of stuff on there. There's a few big arena shows from New York City that were big showcases for us, and those nights were totally memorable. And there's different versions. Like you got the the band before, we had that little record deal, and he'll play and showcase. Brian, I, I don't think you were into Springsteen when I knew you. Did that come later on? Springsteen came about mid-80s for me, so okay. I'm like a second-generation fan. I had friends um, that were really good friends that were really into Bruce, and for me it was a slow thing, like, because I was a metal guy, you know. I, was I know. Jeff Leppard, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and all that stuff, but yeah. I still had that, that cross-country thing, but, you know, I was still into country music, so... All of a sudden, my friends would play Bruce and stuff, and it's interesting because I think the first song by Bruce Springsteen I liked was actually not done by him. It was done by a rock band called Keel. Of course, Keel. of course, Keel, yeah. yeah. And, they, and they, they covered Because of the Night. And I went to my friends, I was like, check this out, this is a Bruce Springsteen song by Keel. Right. And they were like, well, that's horrible. Well, I was like, yeah, but it's Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> so then... <laughs> you know, I, I think that the first song I knew by Bruce was Rosalita, because that video used to be on MTV, and it was like 10 minutes long, and right. it was weird, because I don't know if I, I wanted to like it, but I didn't know if I should. You know? That's like well, everybody thinks uh, everybody thinks Natalie Merchant did that song. Well, uh, some people do anyway. Uh, it, she did it great, but it's not her song. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, then you know, just um, hanging out a lot in school and, and growing up, those roles were playing Springsteen, and the music just started to become a part of my life. Um, did you get that? Because my phone just beeps, but <laughs> uh, just just listening to Bruce with friends and stuff, it, uh, that music just became a part of my life. So just going through high school, and, and with that, I became like started getting to Bob Dylan, and then started getting to Neil Young, and that's when that all happened. And then you know, by 1993, when John and I were done playing rock stuff, and Going through the Seattle drums thing and all of that, we were like, man, well, we're so into this stuff. Why don't we just try stuff like this? <laughs> so when we started in the 90s, the whole thing was, well, let's make it really American, organic, organic, like Bruce and like Neil Young and Bob
and that's the way we started, and that's kind of where we're going back to on this record also. Um, and uh, like I said, I think we're all better musicians today, so there's a lot of different instrumentation on this record that, uh, um, you know, uh, back in the day I was playing mandolin and harmonica and stuff on our records, but now I'm playing rock steel, John's playing mandolin, I'm playing banjo, it's like it's, it's a really cool record, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm really looking forward to this now. I love new sounds. It sounds like you guys are really experimenting, and I can't wait. You're experimenting, but you're also going, you know, what's old is what's new again, and I, I, I can't wait to hear that. Really looking forward to that. I mean, honestly. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of records, I'm not going to name bands, but bands I'm really fans of and actually became to know because we used to tour with them in stuff or whatever. And, uh, you know, we put our records still, and they're good, but it's just like you're doing the same thing. I'm, I'm like, man, if we put out another batting crowd, like, that would just be ridiculous and not fun. Right. And, uh, and you know, one fan actually wrote on, uh, on, our, on our Facebook page that I hope this record's like the Manning Crowd. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Nothing like the Manning Crowd. Nothing. <laughs> there's energy there. He was like, oh, it's energetic like that. Well, there's energy, but it's nothing like the Manning Crowd. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got to grow as a band too, and it, I mean, you guys have already ran the uh, the gauntlet, I, as far as I'm concerned, on what you can do. I, I and uh, I, I I appreciate that that you you know if you you just want to change it up and make it interesting, like you said, it's fresh again, and that's important. Um, I think were you yeah. talking about a, a charity project last time we did talk that the recording nobody will ever hear? Um, did you was there some kind of project you wanted to promote? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, oh well. Well, it was at the very end. You you remembered something, and then we went back on, and then the storm came. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't. I can't. Think All right, we'll, we'll save that for a part two, my friend. Um, let's see here. So once again, Brian DeVoe, Nine Days, Hard Rock Cafe, Pittsburgh, Thursday the twenty fifth. I'd say don't miss it. Um, and Brian, what haven't you plugged for yourself? Do you, I know you have your own site and everything. We've done that. Are there any other uh, solo projects? Any other songs you want people to hear? Um. Well, I'm writing all the time, like I said. Um, so you can go to my music page, which is uh, just facebook.com slash Brian DeVoe, and I usually put up some of my solo stuff up there and whatever, maybe mm-hmm. some demos. And my Reverb Nation has some stuff on there, too, yeah. um, which you can click on on my Facebook. But, uh, yeah, my main thing right now is just the new Nine Days record and, uh, and what's going on. And, and we've got a bunch of gigs coming up. Uh, obviously the Pittsburgh show and then Friday night we're at the Reverb which is in Reading, Pennsylvania okay you know this place uh, no, that's that's the other side of the state for me, but it is closer to yeah. Jersey which is closer to home for me so I, yeah, it's the other side of the state though yeah and then we have a show actually in Michigan uh, August 17th it's just it's in a place called uh, I can't think it's just above Detroit a little bit and it's with E6 and the Calling Okay. <laughs> Which is an interesting combination because we played with both of those bands before, but again, we're going to go up there playing this music, and we'll play Absolutely, which is kind of similar to that, that genre, what those guys were. And they're just going to go out and do their thing, and that's great too. Yeah. But we're going to be very different. Now, when you say the so, calling, Brian, i got to ask you the calling. Uh, are we talking about like the, the English like in, industrial band? Are we talking about the, the there's like no, a newer no. alternative? Okay. It's, it's the pop band that kind of sounds like Lighthouse. Okay. I know who you're talking about. Sure, sure. Actually, I have a CD of theirs floating around here somewhere. Uh, but yeah, hey, I, that's awesome. Anything else you want to plug, real quick? Um, I guess that's it. Just check out Nine Days Facebook, Nine Days Band, and then Nine Days Music uh, dot com. 
yeah, we've got well, some stuff going on. And do the pledge, go to the pledge, because uh, yeah. we got a lot of cool, cool behind-the-scenes videos and stuff that we're going to be yeah, putting up there and stuff. Awesome, and uh, let's say hi to a couple of friends uh, that would love to hear from you right now. Uh, Michelle Knapp Oster, remember her, and Michael Gubin? I remember both of them. <laughs> Michelle has actually reached out to me on Facebook. It's funny because you see so many people on Facebook. Like my, my personal page, I actually have like about 5,000 friends, so I don't even know who's on my Facebook anymore. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'll put up a picture or something, and like Michelle Knapp will like it. I'm like, oh man, Michelle Knapp. Right. <laughs> You should talk to her, man. She's she's a rip. She's hilarious now, man. She, I mean, even funnier than she was before. And she's pretty uh, good writer herself, I should tell you. She's still in New York. Um, don't know. I think she might be. But yeah, we yeah, yeah. we talk a lot. She's uh, sent me some short stories and stuff. But more on that later. I know that she's uh, she's definitely a good writer. I should tell you a story she sent me. Also, we should say hi to. I don't know Jenny Magnus's uh, married name, but her and Donna Farrell Castiglione. Hello to those folks. You remember them well too. Uh, I do, and uh, I think Jennifer showed up to a show in Maryland. <laughs> yep. Um, I said this last last conversation. Yeah, she had her 1989 class, class of 1989 Generation um, shirt on. I think it was the class competition, and I was like, oh man, that was, was in 2000, and that was a blast. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I can only remember. I definitely see Donna on Facebook. Um, I think somehow yeah. in the past few years. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting seeing all these people. Yeah, she had some funny, uh, funny. She had some funny pictures of us uh, in sixth grade that, that I, none of us remembered them, and they were like, "Oh wait, yeah, it was like some picnic or something." Anyway, nobody's gonna be interested in that. Um, <laughs> but I do. I thank you for your time once again. Now I am gonna take you up on uh, possibly skyping with the other guys in the studio, something like that, and do a live recording. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. That's uh, August. Love it, I love it, man. All right, well, um, I, there was a certain song you'd picked out last time. Uh, again, the recording, nobody will hear. Uh, however, um, we're going to play one more, and this is uh, a Brian DeVoe original. Do you remember what you picked? Yes, Old Friends. This is from my... Uh, I guess 2005 solo debut record. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, this is probably the most poppiest song on that record. The closest thing to what I really do. So um, it's a real fun song. I think we pan the drums all the way to the side like the Beatles used to do. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> awesome, man. I, Brian, hey, it's always great talking to you, man. Thanks for uh, all the information. And again, guys, go to the Hard Rock this Thursday, the 25th. All right? Check them out. If you want to say goodbye yeah. to the folks, go for it. Goodbye to the folks, and I hope I see you all at the Hard Rock in Pittsburgh. All right, man. This is Kettle Whistle Radio. Good night, folks.
Some Lucello, okay? Okay, let's settle that. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50 Year Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. Electric acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.